Hello, pet lovers, and welcome to Pet Lover Geek. I'm Lorian Clemens, and today's From the Vault episode is all about pet safety during wintertime. Stick around through this short break, and then we'll be back with a great episode for you. Dr. Flint, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having us. I'm excited too. And this is such, such an important topic. And there's actually no way in an hour we can cover every one of the dangers that are out there. But I want to focus for a little bit on seasonal toxins because it seems like every single season has its own set of potential poisonous things that are out there for our fur kids to be harmed by. For example, we're still in the deep throes of winter in some parts of the country, like up here in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, we just had a huge snow, and our cars are still needing things like antifreeze, and antifreeze is horribly dangerous. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, there are a couple of kinds of antifreeze that are, that are out there on the market and, and that we'll, we'll deal with or, or hear about. The most dangerous kind is going to be, you know, kind of the traditional antifreeze that has something called ethylene glycol in it. Those are the types that are usually going to be in cars and they'll be in mixes with water, but it'll be the ethylene glycol types of antifreeze. There are some antifreezes that are out there that aren't going to be quite as poisonous. Those are usually going to be kind of the pet safe antifreezes. Um, sometimes the marine and RV antifreezes will be, be similar in, in ingredients too. Those will usually have something else called propylene glycol in them and aren't going to be quite as dangerous, though you know, large amounts, again, certainly could be, be an issue. It's the ethylene glycol traditional antifreeze that we really worry about and very small ingestions can be a big issue for dogs and especially cats that get into it. What we worry about when pets get into antifreeze or the traditional ethylene glycol types of antifreeze is that it does have the potential very rapidly to cause a lot of damage to the kidneys. The small ingestions, it's liquid, it gets absorbed rapidly. Cats and, and dogs can go into kidney failure and um, can have very life-threatening signs if we don't catch them and treat them very promptly. Right. So if you do see your dog or your cat licking at a place where there might have been antifreeze, you get them to the vet immediately. I do usually recommend it. Yeah. There, um, you know, it's always hard to really quantify how much they licked, especially because it's kind of a puddle situation. They just mm-hmm. have their face there. And we usually really can't say how much was ingested. We have really good tests for antifreeze. And so if, if there's a suspicion that a pet may have gotten into it, I think getting into the vet, getting some testing done and getting that treatment started early is very, very important, especially with cats. Mm-hmm. Um, cats are exquisitely sensitive. And, and the antidote for antifreeze needs to be started very, very quickly for them. Also with dogs, they have a little bit more time, but cats, um, within hours, we need to, to be right on top of it. So, you know, any exposure I do do usually recommend getting in and, and making sure that it's, it's going to be safe, either that we can, um, you know, test and make sure they didn't get into enough of it or right. getting that treatment started right away. I've read something on the Poison Helpline's blog about vodka. As an antidote? <laughs> what is that all yes. about? Yes. <laughs> 
yes, there are a couple of different ways that we'll treat antifreeze poisonings in dogs and cats. Traditionally, there's been a, a medication um, called fomepazole that we'll use. That one has been a little bit harder to find recently. It's kind of come off the market a little bit and does tend to be very expensive as well. And so many pets end up getting treated with something like vodka or um, something like Everclear, the very, very strong alcohols. And basically the reason that we use it is that the way that the antifreeze, the ethylene glycol gets metabolized by the body, um, it's actually not the the ethylene glycol itself that damages the kidneys. It's some of the other metabolites, some of the other things that it breaks down into. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually use the the alcohol, something like vodka or um, or Everclear, another very hard alcohol, as a treatment to kind of change the way the body processes the, the ethylene glycol or the antifreeze and makes it a safer situation for that pet. They get drunk. Um, and yeah, it, it and, and it's one of those things that we talk <laughs> about like you shouldn't have the alcohol laying around for the pets because it's not good for them at all Mm -hmm. but in this case it can actually save their life it can it can again definitely it's something that we need to do in a very controlled situation with your vet Um, in (laughs) the hospital they need very specific amounts of it we we certainly make sure that you know things are are safe and we're not having any issues with the blood sugar or any Mm -hmm. other issues while they're getting it um so again very controlled environment it's it's not something that i would recommend doing at home but um it is kind of a cool thing that is is on the shelf and and shows that you know one of those things that we usually try to avoid sometimes has a, a potential benefit for pets too. That's, that's um, cra- so. It's crazy how the body works. Now, let's also talk about ice melt because we just had, as I mentioned, a huge dump of snow. Unfortunately, there's still a thick sheet of ice underneath because we had some melt. So, you know, ice melt is one of those things that we actually just talked about. Uh, gosh, we're going to need some ice melt. And I said, oh, no, 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 we can't mm-hmm. use that because it's bad for the dogs. So talk about that. Sure. There are a few different kinds of ice melts that are out there on the market, too. Probably the ones that I try to avoid are the really true, true salt or sodium chloride types of of melts. Those, if um, dogs ingest enough of it, can cause some pretty serious electrolyte issues, and certainly they can have things like some vomiting, and it can be very irritating, too. There are quite a few other kind of blends of different salts, and they'll have calcium, sometimes they'll have magnesium chloride in it that you'll see in other ice melts and, and usually are going to be less concerning overall, though, again, I you know, would, would try to overall keep it away from pets. Usually those small ingestions where they've kind of walked through some snow or walked over some ice that's been treated, like the paws, it usually isn't going to be anything dangerous. They Sometimes pets, dogs will have um, a little bit of of mild vomiting or maybe a little diarrhea with that kind of situation, some drooling. You know, after I take my own dog outside here in Minnesota, so we definitely know about ice melt as well, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll try to just wipe those paws down and prevent those those ice melts from being ingested. But fortunately, those, you know, kind of casual walking across the ice, walking across the treated sidewalk kind of exposures in most cases are not going to be dangerous. I worry more about dogs that chew into a big bag of it in the garage and eat a lot right. of it. Yeah, and there's some of them that- out there that actually specifically call out that they're pet safe. I mean, are they really mm-hmm. pet safe or are they just, they're better? 
I would say better. There are, I would say most of the pet safe ice melts have something called urea as the active ingredient in it. Mm-hmm. And if they get into quite a lot of it, they can have some of those stomach upset symptoms, but usually are, are going to avoid some of the more severe effects like the electrolyte abnormalities with mm-hmm. that. So again, kind of a common sense situation where right. I certainly wouldn't want my dog chewing into a bag of it, but I'm probably not going to lose too much sleep if, you know, he walks across the ice and then licks his paws afterwards. Okay, cool. Well, okay. Now let's, because we're all dreaming of spring right now, let's talk about moving into spring. There's a lot of toxins that when the weather changes and, and our behaviors change and things we use in our house changes, you should be aware of. So talk about some of those top toxins for springtime. Sure. Springtime, I, you know, here in, in Minnesota, I, I definitely start thinking about the gardening that we get to do. We're really excited about that when the snow melts and, Green and we can get outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, a lot of times people have different, you know, plants that they are planting in their garden or in their yard, um, especially some of the bulb kind of, of plants. The lilies are starting to come up. The crocuses are coming up. Daffodils, tulips are are coming up, which are, you know, certainly um, beautiful. But if pets dig up those bulbs and eat a lot of of the the bulb material, that sometimes can be an issue for them. Um, Most of the time it's going to be, especially with the smaller ingestions, kind of a stomach upset symptom or set of symptoms. But um, we can sometimes see some more severe effects. With cats, I always, always worry about lilies and with, you know, especially Easter coming up, you know, making sure that that lilies aren't coming into a home with cats, I think is very, very important. I always try to avoid, you know, bringing any type of of true lily, like the Easter lilies, the stargazer lilies, Mm -hmm. the tiger lilies into a home with cats. I'd never keep them in in, um, my home Mm -hmm. because any type of exposure, any small exposure, even just smelling the plant, getting the pollen on the face, um, licking the water from the vase and certainly chewing on those flowers or leaves can be dangerous and can cause kidney failure in cats. So usually, again, fortunately, something we can um, treat if we can catch it early. With springtime and all the gardening that's going on, we do, I think, get a lot of calls also about things that are uh, people are using in their their yard. Um, fertilizers are, const- are you know, very commonly being put out. Sometimes people are putting out different insecticides or, or other pesticides, too. And so those would be some other things that we get calls about frequently. Right. So just be highly aware of where your dog is at all times and his behavior in the yard and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what about, too, um, I know for us, uh, spring cleaning, we try to do a big, you know, it's finally warm enough to be able to go out and shake out everything and all this stuff. And I've become more and more aware as we have a very curious pup. Um, he wants to sniff everything, lick everything. I've been more and more aware about the products that I'm using when I'm cleaning. What kinds of things should we, you know, avoid or at least make sure that that the dog has no exposure to when we're doing a spring cleaning? Sure. I think with the cleaners, a lot of them 
can be pretty safe, especially if it's a situation where you're, you know, just wiping down the counter, doing a little mop, and there's a little bit of, um, you know, residue that the, the dog or a cat comes in and likes. I'm usually not going to be too concerned about that. The ones that I really try to avoid would be some of the, you know, very, very strong types of cleaners, things like oven cleaners, toilet bowl cleaners can be, you know, either extremely acidic or very, very alkaline where they can cause some burns with very small licks or, or ingestions. Another thing that has been in the news with kids and it also is a big issue with dogs would be the laundry pods. Mm-hmm. Um, those colorful little laundry pods have a very concentrated detergent. I do use them and I like them, um, but I keep them out of reach because they are something that dogs like to kind of chew and bite into and, and those very, very strong detergents can cause a lot of stomach upset and we do see a, a fair amount of dogs that develop some pneumonia they get some of that material in their lungs too which can be dangerous for them so really it's the the ones that I think about keeping very much out of reach would be the really strong toilet oven cleaners and then especially the laundry pods too. Now you've mentioned this a lot uh, since we've been talking stomach upset that seems to be mm-hmm. a very very common theme of everything so talk about when you're pet has a stomach upset, maybe you don't even know what the upset is being caused by. What are the major no-nos that you should be aware of, things you should not do when your stomach dog has an upset stomach? You know, I think it with an upset stomach, it, there's so many various causes of, of vomiting and diarrhea in dogs and cats. I think it, you know, it's always good to just at least touch base with your veterinarian um, and, and certainly sooner rather than, than later um, because of that risk of dehydration. When we start talking about some of the home remedies and things that people try and that I would recommend avoiding, um, we do sometimes see where a dog has some vomiting or diarrhea and, and people start thinking, oh, wow, maybe he's been poisoned. They get online, they start reading, and they start trying to you know induce vomiting even though their dog has been vomiting. So uh, that's something that I generally wouldn't wouldn't recommend. It's usually not going to be, you know, something that's going to be helpful once symptoms have started. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely avoid giving anything like salt to induce vomiting or, um, you know, some of the other kind of odd things that we'll hear about sometimes. People sometimes use, you know, very strange things like mustard or, or raw eggs or, or even motor oil. And I definitely would avoid those things. Sometimes people will reach for Pepto-Bismol. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps people with, with a stomach upset kind of set of symptoms. And that's something I generally don't recommend in, in dogs and definitely not in cats. It actually has some aspirin-like compounds and it rarely is going to be helpful. It rarely is going to fix the problem and has a potential, um, depending on the cause, to, to sometimes make things make worse. It worse, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Google is not a good place to go <laughs> for how to treat your pet, for sure. Your first stop should definitely be your veterinarian. And then also, uh, give us tell people how they can get a hold of your, your organization and, and how they can find it. Sure. So we're Pet Poison Helpline, and we are a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, you know, nights, weekends, holidays, we're here, um, Poison Control Center for Animals. And our phone number is probably the best way to reach us. We're at 
888-5600. And again, we are here and, and staffed with veterinary professionals and veterinarians 24 hours a day. We do have a website as well where we have some general information for pet owners, you know, some great tips on um, some of the things we've talked about today and, and many other subjects having to do with, with poisonings and pets. Um, and our website is www.petpoisonhelpline.com. So that can be another great resource for pet owners as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Flynn. I really appreciate you taking the time today to spend with us. Oh, you're very welcome. We're, we're uh, happy to, to chat and get some of this information out there to help pets. Totally. Absolutely fantastic, important information that everybody needed to hear today. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us today. Make sure you leave a comment below for any cool or geeky ideas that you want us to cover in future episodes. And like always, give those fur babies a hug from me. I'm Lorian Clemens, and this has been Pet Lover Geek, powered by Pet Hub.